So for the last few weeks around our house, since uh, school has not been in, uh, we've been, one of the things we've been doing to pass the time is we've been playing various board games as a family. And so we've spent the last few weeks playing games like Rummy Cube or Clue or Ticket to Ride. It's been a fun week. But uh, it's, it's fun, by the way, we're kind of in a new phase as a family where most of our kids now are old enough where they can play games a little more advanced than like Shoots and Ladders. And so we're kind of graduating into Ticket to Ride and other games. And so it's been a lot of fun. But of course, as you enter into that phase of life, as you're learning new board games and, and, and all of that, one of the very important pieces is that you need to open up the instruction manual and figure out how to play. When playing a game, it's helpful to read the manual designed, written by the designer to know the rules, to know the strategy, to know how to win. And likewise, for you and I, whether we admit it or not, we all need help knowing how to play the game of life. And so why not turn to the one who created us to tell us how to live? Now, thankfully, our creator has given us his guide. He's given us this instruction manual called the Bible that our God, the creator, gave to us in order to know how to properly play the game But sadly, many people have never read it. Now this morning, we're going to begin a short three-part series reminding us of our priorities here at Grace. If you've been around here for a while, you know that our vision, what we ultimately want for each and every one of you is that when you stand before the Lord Jesus, that you hear him say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. And the mission, the way we believe that we can help prepare you for that day is summarized in those three words, equip, engage, and exalt. And so for the next three weeks, I'm going to take some time to cover again those three areas. And today we're going to focus on this idea of equipping. Equipping you with the word, equipping you with the truth, so that when you stand before the Lord Jesus, he says to you, well done, good and faithful servant. I want you to open your Bible to the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 1. And there in your worship guide, there's also an outline. You can see what we're going to do together this morning. Number one, we're going to take a look at Psalm chapter one. We're going to do a deep dive here into Psalm chapter one. And then we're going to springboard off of that onto number two on your outline. And we're going to talk more broadly and culturally, theologically about our need for the Bible. About our need for this instruction manual that God has given to us so we know how to play the game of life. And finally, number three on your outline, I'm going to give you some very specific and practical helps and tips, maybe some New Year's resolutions about how you can get equipped here in 2024 in the Word of God. So again, grab your Bible, open up to Psalm chapter 1. Let me read for you the psalm first, and then we'll jump in verse by verse. Psalm chapter 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree, firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers." The wicked are not so, 
but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Psalm chapter 1 describes the blessing that God promises to those who live their lives based on his word. So let's take a look at the details of this psalm together. Again, verse 1 of Psalm chapter 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. The first thing I want you to notice is that word blessed. This word blessed in the Old Testament can be used in a number of ways. At times, God promises a blessing on people unconditionally. You don't have to do anything to get God's blessing. He does it all. But other times, one specific word for blessing we find in the Old Testament is often used to describe a type of blessing that God gives for those who do something. And that's what we see here. So if we want to be blessed by God here in Psalm chapter 1, what is it we have to do in order to receive that blessing? Well, interestingly, here in verse 1, the first thing we see are three things we should not do if we want to be blessed by God. Look again. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, who does not stand in the path of sinners, who does not sit in the seat of scoffers. As you look at verse 1, I want you to notice the the progression, the, the growth of intensity here of walking, standing, and then sitting. Imagine this in your mind, if you will. That you're out on a walk and you see some wickedness taking place and first you're walking by, but then you stop and you stand. And then, third, you begin to sit and take residence. The verbs here that control verse 1 describe a gradual descent into evil in which one first walks alongside but then stops and ultimately takes permanent residence there among the company of the wicked. And so verse 1 says, if you want to be blessed by God, don't walk, stand, or sit in the ways of the wicked. But notice what what else we see here in verse 1. This is the character of one's company there, the wicked, the sinners, and the scoffers. The wicked, the sinners, and the scoffers. The word for wicked here, I believe, is used here in verse 1 to describe people who have no relationship with God. Unbelievers. The next word gets a little bit more intense, and the word sinners there describes people who intentionally fail to obey God. They're not just unbelievers, but they're intentionally not obeying Him. They're sinners. But then the third verse, again, most intense of all, the word scoffers there describes people who actually ridicule the things of God. So we have unbelievers, we have sinners, and then we have those who mock and ridicule God and his people. They try to destroy the integrity of God's people. Again, there's a growing intensity here in this verse. But then finally, notice as well, The third progression of intensification here in the the nouns, counsel, path, and seat. 
How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. The word for counsel here describes advice over the moral and ethical things of life. The word path refers to the course of your life, how you live. And the word seat describes the place of really joining in and identifying with people. One scholar, Alan Ross, says in this verse, there's this growing intensity starting with what may be harmless advice from an unbeliever, but ends up dangerously close to connecting to those who want to destroy the faith, the scoffers. And the point of this intensification is to to show that if people take spiritual guidance from unbelievers instead of from God, they will gradually begin living more like the world and become entangled in it. This is a lot just in verse 1. And in terms of application, it begs the question for you and for me, how much influence does the fallen world have on me? How much am I allowing the fallen world and the corrupted system of Satan to influence and guide my life? Do I listen more to the wickedness of the world or do I listen more to the voice of the Lord in the Word? Do I listen more to the world more than I listen to the Word? Now, I do want to say as well that, you know, as Christians, we can't just distance ourselves from unbelievers. We're called to be salt and light in this world. We're called to be, have an influence among the world and among unbelievers. But sadly, what often happens is the world and unbelievers often has too much of an influence on us. So the question here that I want to ask is, is looking at verse 1 and transitioning into verse 2, if, if we want to reduce the amount of influence that the fallen world has on us, then what do we do? How can we be blessed by God? Well, notice verse 2. Notice the contrast. But his, the blessed man, the man who is blessed by God, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates Day and night. Here in verse 2, in contrast to verse 1, we see now what we should do if we want to be blessed by God. If you want to be blessed by God in 2024, then delight yourself in the law of the Lord. The word for delight here is a great word. It describes, other, in other places in the Old Testament, it's a word that's, that describes absolute emotional pleasure and joy over something. Absolute emotional pleasure and joy over something. At times it's used to describe the emotion, the delight, the joy that you would find over uh, jewels or things of great value. In other places in the Old Testament, it's used to describe actually the delight that a man finds in his spouse, in in his wife. And so if you can picture this in your mind, I want you to imagine stumbling upon a a buried treasure. You're immediately rich. You would be delighted in that. And here in Psalm chapter 1, we read that we're supposed to delight in the law of the Lord and the teaching of the word. And because we delight in it, notice we meditate on it day and night, verse 2. So it didn't, again, keep the metaphor alive. 
of delighting in something, delighting how a man delights in his wife. I want you to think back to, if you're married, when you first began to date the person who is now your spouse. They were probably in your mind day and night. They were constantly on your mind. You were regularly thinking about them throughout the day. And the psalmist says, this is how we're to treat the word of God. It's to constantly be on our mind and we're to meditate on it day and night. And this begins with the memorization of God's word, of putting it into our minds, putting it into our hearts so we can recall it when we need it. But such meditation on the word helps us to not being uh, caught up in the ideas of the wicked. And notice what happens if we do this. Verse 3, here's the blessing, really. Verse 3, he, the man who is blessed of the Lord, who delights in the word, he will be like a tree, firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. Here the psalmist uses this vivid metaphor, this picture of this blessed man or this blessed person who delights in the word, who meditates it on a day and night. Uh, They're like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. This image is of a person who's living a flourishing and fruitful life to the Lord. A person who's living a life the way God designed us to live it. The psalmist says this person is planted by streams of water, just like water makes the tree grow, so the word of God causes us to grow. The psalmist also says this tree yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. Trees that are watered by the word will show the growth, they'll flourish, it won't wither spiritually. And finally, whatever he does, the psalmist says, will prosper. Now, this is not promising financial prosperity, but it's promising that flourishing and prosperous life of a life that's dedicated to God. If we meditate and focus ourselves on God's word and we live in obedience to it, then we'll succeed in doing the Lord's will and he will bless us as a result. This is a life that's blessed by God. This is the kind of life we should want to live. But then again, notice the contrast, verse 4. In contrast to this tree firmly planted by streams of water with fruit and leaves that don't wither, notice verse 4, the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous for the Lord knows the way of the righteous the way of the wicked will perish. Here the psalmist really focuses on the other way you could live, the way of the wicked. This way again is compared not to a tree, but to chaff, worthless husks that are separated from the grain, things that produce nothing of lasting value for God and things that ultimately have no future with God. This is a life that's ultimately, eternally pointless. And notice as well there in verse 5 and verse 6, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous for the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the ways of the wicked will perish. Here I think he's looking ultimately to the final judgment, the separation of the just from the unjust, the righteous from the unrighteous. 
believers from unbelievers. Now, I do want to caution you here. The psalm here is not implying in any way that we somehow earn our salvation. We don't earn our salvation. We know as we take a look at the totality of God's word that the only way we're saved is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus alone. And so if you're here this morning or watching online and you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus, I want to pause right here and invite you to put your faith in him. At this point, the only thing God is looking for you to do is to put your faith in his son and to receive that gift of his forgiveness. But if you are a Christian, if you have put your faith in Jesus, what I want you to notice here in this verse is what this psalm does is it invites us to investigate two ways of life. The righteous life or the wicked life. And by contrasting these two ways of living, we're invited to make a decision. Do you want to be blessed by God? Then the choice is clear of how we're called to play the game of life. Do we live the way of the world? Or do we live the way of the word? You know, when we really stop and think about it, we are incredibly blessed that God has revealed himself to us in his word. That he has given us his instruction manual to us to tell us how to live. How to play the game of life. And that's what I want us to consider as we take a look at number two on your outline. Let's talk here for a few minutes about our need for the Bible. The Bible is an incredible gift that God has given to us. Through his word, we know him. We know truth. We know error. We know how to live. We know how not to live. And so the psalmist here in Psalm chapter 1 is inviting us to delight in it, to meditate in it day and night. At the start of the year, I began a new daily devotional written by Pastor Alistair Begg. And he says this in his introduction. This is great. He says, it's worth pausing to consider this reality. When we read the Bible, we're dealing with the words of the creator of the universe spoken to his creation. It is impossible for us to understand ourselves, our world, or anything else without his word. As we read a newspaper, as we try to make sense of our society, as we look to our history and to our future, it is the Bible we need if we are to get a handle on it all. God's word is the truth that you and I need to navigate every day of this life and to point us to the one in whom we find the life that really is life. And that's really what I want you to consider here under number two on your outline. We need the word of God. We cannot navigate through this life, this game of life on our own. We cannot play by our own rules. But we're invited to live our lives the way he designed us to live them. But we do need to be aware of a few challenges in that. The first challenge is a cultural challenge. The cultural challenge is that we live in a post-Christian, post-modern society where truth is said to be relative. There is no absolute truth. You make up your own truth. This, by the way, is nothing new. It actually goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, the original fall, the original temptation, the original sin, when Satan came to Eve and said, listen, eat of the tree, and you can be like God, knowing for yourself, deciding for yourself what is good and what is evil. 
And that's the world we live in today. Our culture says you can believe whatever you want to believe as long as what you believe is not Christian. People want to play the game of life by their own rules, but the problem is that when everybody plays by their own rules, everybody's confused. And we see that confusion in our world today. Right is wrong and wrong is right. People call good evil and evil good. Just open a newspaper and you see it. We live in a culture and a society where people put more weight in the words of celebrities than they do in the words of the creator of the universe. And that then leads me to our second problem. And the second problem is that, idea, that ideology of the culture has begun to creep its way into the American church. The second problem is a, church, a problem in the church. One scholar says that the American church is immersed in a crisis of biblical illiteracy. A crisis of biblical illiteracy. There are several recent studies that have been done, and by and large, the research shows that church-going Christians are spending less and less time in the Bible for themselves. And yet, study after study shows that if you want to grow, if you want to be blessed by God, if you want to grow in your discipleship, the number one indicator of spiritual growth is time in the Word of God. So we're spending less and less time in the Word of God, even though we know we ultimately need it for our growth and discipleship. And putting these two ideas together, ultimately what our world needs more than anything else is to see a bunch of Christians who are like trees firmly planted by streams of water, holding fast to the word of God in contrast to the cultural storms of our world. And so here's my ultimate question for you this morning. That is, what is going to guide your life? Are you going to listen more to the world? Or are you going to listen to the word? One of the things I love about this church and I know you love about this church is that this church was founded upon a strong belief in the scripture. And year after year after year for the last 70 years, this church has been committed to pastors and to people who are firmly committed to this book. Uh, who, who believe that this book has the truth that we need to navigate through the game of life. Our world might walk away from this book. Other churches might walk away from this book, but we are not going to. We need to double down on our commitment to the Scripture. And there, actually, on the backside of your outline, I want to remind you. This is under equip on the backside of your outline. I want to remind you of what our doctrinal statement says here at Grace about the Scripture. We believe that God has spoken through the Scriptures. And that the Bible in the original manuscripts is the inspired, infallible, and inerrant word of God. Of these 66 books, we have reliable copies that are our final and sufficient authority for faith and life. The Bible is to be believed in all that it teaches, obeyed in all that it requires, and trusted in all that it promises. What this means first and foremost is that here at Grace, we put the Bible above everything else. The Bible is our final authority. It's the inspired word of God. We should know it and we should live by it. And that then leads me to number three on your outline. What are some practical steps we can take this year? As we're thinking about New Year's resolutions and fresh starts in a new year, how do we get equipped in the Word of God? To begin to answer that, let me ask you a question. Do you delight in the Word? Do you read it? Do you study it? I want to challenge you this morning to, to read it, to memorize it, to meditate on it, to study it, to obey it, even when you don't feel like obeying it, or especially when you don't feel like obeying it. I love the 
statement from Augustine of Hippo. He said, if you believe what you like in the Bible and reject what you don't like, it's not the Bible you believe, but yourself. It's a great statement. If you believe what you like in the Bible and reject what you don't like, it's not the Bible you believe, but yourself. So let's talk about some real practical steps you can take, I can take this year in 2024 as we commit ourselves afresh to the Word of God. Number one, I want to encourage you to spend time in the Word daily. Spend time in the Word daily. I'm not going to tell you how many minutes. I'm not going to tell you exactly what you have to do. That's legalism. But I do think the Word of God should inspire us to spend time in the Word daily. Here in Psalm chapter 1, we see day and night, day and night. And by the way, even in the scientific community, it's amazing. There's all these studies that talk about what we put in our minds when we first wake up and what we put in our brains right before we go to bed has a huge impact on the way we live our life. What we put into our brains right when we wake up and what we put into our minds right before we go to bed in many ways rewires our brains. It changes the way we think. And throughout the scripture, I find it fascinating. We see this idea of day and night, day and night, day and night. And so I want to encourage you to spend time in the Word daily. Number two, real practically, there's several methods from which you could choose. Uh, There are great Bibles you can get just to read through the Bible in the year. If that's kind of not what you're looking for, I'd encourage you to pick maybe one book of the Bible. Pick the book of Romans, pick the book of Genesis, pick something, and and do a deep dive into one book for an entire year. You'll be shocked at what you get out of it. Another option many people do is they do a proverb a day. There's 31 proverbs in the Bible, 31 chapters. There's 31 days and many months of the year. A lot of people do a proverb a day throughout the year. That's a great way. Number three, I want to Draw your attention, if it's not there already, to the great gift of audio Bibles. There's a couple apps that I'll mention that I love. Uh, One is Daily Audio Bible, a guy who just comes on and he reads the Word and you can listen to it. It's fantastic. But my ultimate favorite one is an app called Dwell, D-W-E-L-L. In Dwell, you can can have different translations. You can do um, customized reading plans. Um, You can even do different readers, different accents, if it just keeps your attention a little bit more. Uh, It's an incredible app. I I love it. And I would encourage you, um, listen to the Bible in your commute. Redeem that time that you have in the car. It's a great way to spend your commute. Um, I'd also push you towards, uh, whether Bible memory programs or just Bible reflections, pick one verse and meditate on it throughout the day. Another easy thing is to get plugged into a Bible study here at Grace. There's options in your bulletin, also on the website. Get plugged into a Bible study. If you have kids or grandkids, I'd point you towards the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's obviously a condensed version, an abbreviated version, but it's a great introduction to children uh, to get into the Word of God and instill that habit in their life. And by the way, if you're here this morning and some of that sounds good to you, If you need a Bible, if you're looking for a study Bible, that's what all of these are for. I don't want to carry these all the way back to the office. Um, So if you need a Bible, if you're looking for a Bible, take one. We order these in bulk, and we like to give them away. Uh, It's a Ryrie study Bible. I think it's the best study Bible out there. 
Uh, my only ask is that you don't take one and then take it over to Half Price Books and try to sell it, or don't just put it on your bookshelf and let it collect dust. But if you take one, please use it. It's our gift to you. Um, but pour yourself in the Word of God this year. And I want to remind you, the purpose of this is not to brag about how much Bible you know or how much Bible you've memorized. It's not to become a smart sinner, but it's so that the Word of God will transform the way you live so we know how to live uh, godly in a dark culture, to know how to live a life that pleases God, that uh, will bring his blessing on us. Now, I want to address a, a few types of people in this room, different personalities. If you're a perfectionist, my wife's a perfectionist, if you're a perfectionist, you might be sitting there thinking, well, wait a minute, it's already January the 7th, that means I'm six days behind, I'm not going to start something that I can't do perfectly. No, lay that aside. Listen, God is not looking for perfection, but I want to push you towards progress. God is not expecting you to be perfect, but let's just seek after progress. A second personality maybe in this room is the unconvinced. You might be busy and you think, man, I don't know. I just really don't have time to, to take you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes every day to pour myself into the word of God. I'm just, I'm too busy. It's not worth it. Listen, I want to challenge you. Give it a shot. Do you believe Psalm 1 or not? Do you believe that God will bless you or not? The most important thing you can do with your time each and every day is to spend time in his word. How else will you expect to navigate through this world we live in? You cannot do it on your own. You need the word of God to illuminate your path. A third personality type we might have in this room, and this is me, I'm an achiever. If you're an achiever and you just not like to just knock stuff out and get stuff done, I want to challenge you this year to, to have your time in the word be more than just something you check off your to-do list. I want to challenge you to slow down to meditate on the word, to let it sink into your heart and to your soul and let it impact your life and not just your head. Again, Alistair Begg offers some helpful advice to us. He says, on some days you may find reading God's word a delight and on other days it may be done more out of duty, but every day it is essential. There will be times of delight and excitement and feeling something as you read and meditate on God's word, but do not worry if those times do not come every day or even most days. Make a commitment to turn to the Bible every day, and if you realize you have fallen out of the habit of doing so, simply jump back in. And that's my invitation, just jump back in. If 2023 wasn't a good year for you and pouring into the word of God, this is a new year, it's a fresh start. Just jump back in. If you jump in and a few days go by and you fall out of the habit, just jump back in. I have a confession to make, actually. This morning I woke up, I was super tired, um, and I so desperately wanted to just go back to sleep for a little bit. But the only thing stopping me was I, I thought, man, I cannot be a hypocrite and come and preach a sermon about the importance of the Word of God and pouring into it every day and skip my quiet time this morning. And so I did it, more probably out of guilt. Um, but my point is, I'm not perfect either. I miss days, but just jump back in. Just jump back in. It's the only way that we can navigate through this life. It's the only way here in Psalm chapter one that I think we'll receive the blessing of God. So there on the backside of your outline, I've given you some application questions to consider, but your one thing for this week, you should know it by now. 
I just ask you, do you have a Bible reading and a Bible study plan? If you don't, find one. Find one that you can commit to. Make it realistic. Don't try to read through the entire Bible every day for 365 days. That's not realistic. You can't do it. So find something you can do, five minutes a day, ten minutes a day, whatever it is. Find a plan and commit to it. Start it. Get equipped. And if you fall out, jump back in. So just the other day, again, our family, we were sitting down and we were playing some board games, and I was playing with Chloe and Clara. We were playing Clue, and after a little bit, I pulled out the instruction manual and realized we weren't actually playing according to the rules. Uh, We were unintentionally playing by our own rules, and it was a great reminder to me that just like we had to then adjust our course and play the game the way it was supposed to be played, for far too many of us, myself included, we spend so much time playing the game of life but by our own rules. And so Psalm chapter 1 is an invitation for us to play the game of life the way it was meant to be played. God gave us his word, and if we play the game according to his rules, Psalm chapter 1 says we'll be blessed by our creator. So do you want to live a blessed life? Then let's get equipped with his word. Pray with me. Our Father, we do come to you this morning and first and foremost, we do confess how easy it is for us to listen to the words of the world rather than to your word, to be guided by the things of this life and the worries of this life rather than by the promises of your inspired word to us. And so forgive us, Father, where we fall short. And Father, we're grateful that As this is a new year, so your mercies are new to us each and every day. We're thankful for the fact that each and every day, uh, you give us a fresh start and new beginnings. And so, Father, I ask for myself and for these people, for those watching online, that this year would be different. That we would be more deeply committed than we've ever been to be people of your word. To read it, to study it to meditate on it, to obey it, to live by it, to be transformed by it through your spirit. And Father, I pray that as we try to live this game of life, as we try to navigate through uh, this world in our workplaces, in our homes, in our communities, as we interact with unbelievers, Father, I pray that we would have more of an impact on them than they have on us. Father, I ask that by the power of your spirit, you would equip us with your word, so we can go out and engage other people with the gospel and that we can come together week in and week out and exalt you for who you are. Father, help us. In all of this, we ask and pray in Jesus' name, amen.